Welcome to the Craft to Career Podcast with Elizabeth Chapel, where every week we dive into how you can turn your craft into a successful career. Get ready to have the career you've always dreamed of. Hello, and welcome to episode 83 of the Craft to Career Podcast. So, just a little background to what happened last week. There were some technical difficulties with the podcast, and some of you, especially if you're listening on the road, you will have no idea that this last Friday I didn't have an episode come out, and it's kind of a lesson for me and for you listeners, which is why I'm sharing about it, that sometimes it's okay to let things go. Not always. I want to be, you know, reliable and show up here. But I was beginning to spend way too much time on this episode where I realized what the return for the work that I'm putting in is no longer worth it. It's best to just not have an episode come out this Friday and to put my time into other areas. Just give yourself permission sometimes if you are realizing you're spending too much time on something and you're not going to get a return on that or this is not the best use of my time to set that thing aside and to come back to it later. So here I am, I am re-recording this episode for you. And I actually am really excited that I get to do this because I've got to sit and think about the things that I said in the last time I recorded. And I think it's going to be a little bit different. So (laughs) you're never going to know what those differences are. But I'm excited to share this topic with you today, which are it's small changes that make a big impact. And this is both for your life and for your business. And it's one that I've been hinting at for a couple of weeks now that I try to jump and go all in and it led to some health issues. So I'm going to talk about all the things today. But first, I would love to read my latest review. This comes from Mara Quilt Designs. And she's actually an alumni, which you'll hear about here. Well, Elizabeth, where do I even begin? Let me first say that as an alumni of both of your amazing courses, I knew when you announced your podcast that it would be good. But boy, is that an understatement. Good doesn't even begin to describe it. It is inspirational, practical, sometimes funny, insightful, full of very tangible real-life advice and actions to follow, and above all, it is warm and honest. Hmm, actually, just like you, Elizabeth. I'm saying that because through the courses and our live calls and amazing community we have in there, I feel like I know you. Not yet in person, maybe. Hope that will happen too. But perhaps better than other podcast listeners. So that is really what I want everyone to know. This podcast is generous, warm and honest, just like its host. And in today's world of sales pitches and commerce hidden in a nice story, that is everything. I will freely admit here that I often go back and listen to some episodes second or third time because I need to remind myself of some action or I need to feel more confident in what I want to do next. It is like having a good friend to lean on when self-doubt creeps in. I was not a podcast person before. Maybe I'm not even one now, except waiting every Friday to hear the new Crafty Career podcast. Thank you for all that you do and all is striving to do more and better. Maria. Well, what a wonderful review. I honestly, this couldn't be sweeter to just say that I am honest and warm 
and kind. I mean, that's really, really sweet. And Maria, who wrote this, I feel the same way about you. And I'm so glad that the podcast episodes are something that you can go back to again and again, especially when you need inspiration or guidance or someone to lift you up. I mean, that is exactly what I hope from this podcast. So I will consider that a success. So thank you so much. And I hope that today's episode is something that provides the same, provides great value and encouragement. So this topic, how did it come about? First of all, I started to notice that successful people have some things in common. I noticed this years ago. They all seem to wake up early. They work out. They're, they eat well. They're conscientious of what they eat. And I tried this before. So the first time I started noticing this, if I had to put a date on it, it was probably around 2017 where I really was diving into studying businesses and other business owners, podcasts, books, all the things, following them on social media. And so I was like, well, I'm, I'm going to jump in. I'm going to try this. And so I remember waking up. I don't even know what time it was, but I'd wake up before my kids. It will say 5.30 or 6 a.m. I would work out. I'd meditate. I would read. And I felt so good. I was so productive. And I also, when I was working out, I was doing this program called BBG, which Kayla, it's Zenitz. If you don't know her, I, I do follow her on Instagram. It stands for Bikini Body Guide, which makes it sound like I'm trying to like get ready to be a model for a bikini, which is so not true, not accurate. I just, I like to work out to feel better about myself and to stay healthy for what's on the inside. I want my heart and all of that to be healthy. Um, part of the BBG workout routine, they're like, we'll take a before picture, which again was very uncomfortable for me. I mean, I just was like in a, a sports bra and shorts and I was like, oh, okay. So I took the photo and I did the 12 week workout program and I will admit there were times that I was like, man, I, I mean, yes, I feel good. It's helping me feel good about myself, but for how much I've been working, I haven't lost a single pound and not that I was like striving to lose a bunch of weight, but I was like, you know, maybe a pound or two, nothing. I've lost nothing. And I was like, and I, I'm convinced I don't look that different. So, you know, <laughs> I feel good, but like, I would also love to look like I work out, you know, just a little. So I took the photo 12 weeks later, or maybe it was in eight weeks. It was not that long later. And I actually am going to put the photo on the show notes for the podcast. So on my website, quilterscandy.com, if you go to the podcast section of the website, look for episode 84, how small changes that make big impact, you'll see the photo. And I'm not putting it out there to be like, look at my body. But as we go through this lesson, you're going to understand why I'm sharing this. And uh, another thing that I recently saw that was very motivational was Dave Lesu, Lesway, oh my gosh, stately type. So he and his wife, Holly, are awesome. And they, they do like a t-shirt. So Maker Valley is like the quilting side of what they do. Stately type is much more um, general population. They do t-shirts like that aren't quilt related. So Dave posted on his Instagram account and I reached out to make sure he was okay with me sharing this, but he posted a photo of himself and it, there were like, it's a face and it's right next to each other. 
and it says this photo on the left is me five years ago. The photo on the right is me now. So five years difference. That's five years. That's, that's commitment. He says during these five years, so five years ago, he had fast food daily, daily caffeinated soda, six and a half hours of sleep a night, no exercise, gout, sluggish aches and pains, moody, deflated. Now, five years later, a daily salad or daily vegetable, no soda, no caffeine, seven and a half hours, so that's an extra hour of sleep a night, a daily hike, a daily workout, like seven minutes we're talking, some weights, meditation, yoga, no gout. He doesn't have gout anymore. He's energized, confident, driven, focused. Um, this, when I saw this photo, I was like, well, not only was I motivated, but I'm like, well, shoot, I better give up caffeine. <laughs> That's very motivational for me. Um, and you know, he says, it's not about the number on the scale. It's really not. He's not that much weight has changed, but it is noticeably different. You can see the difference in just what, you know, just in his face. And I saw that. And he, in that post, he talks about two books that he read that helped motivate him. One is Atomic Habits by James Clear. I had read that one and it is really good. If you haven't read it, I highly recommend it. The other is called The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. And that one I had not heard about. So being who I am, I went and immediately downloaded The Compound Effect and started listening. And it was almost too motivational. That's when I was like, I'm going to share a podcast episode on this. And boom, I got sick. So, yeah, let's talk about this. Um, a little side caveat, by the way. I've been noticing most of the business books that I read that I love are written by men. So, ladies, let's write some books. And I, you know, I've looked at uh, all, all sorts of things, but one of them is it's all, it's kind of just about putting yourself out there, being willing to stand up and say, yeah, me over here, listen to me, I have something worth sharing. And oftentimes women are not as comfortable doing that or confident doing that, which I will admit I can relate to. Um, so anyhow, a goal of mine, we're putting this on the 10 year plan, but to gain enough business experience that, that I can share something of value and put a book out there that's going to help other business owners. So anyhow, side tangent there. But yes, okay, so I jumped in. I mean, reading The Compound Effect. So like I said, I'd already read Atomic Habits, and it, it definitely was motivating. And sometimes you just need that consistent reminder or that motivation. Sometimes I'm in a rut, and I'm like, I don't even want to read one of those books right now because I'm just going to feel guilty because I'm not doing the things, you know. Uh, and I think we, we can all relate to that. At least I hope so. I can't be the only one. But reading The Compound Effect was, I mean, Darren Hardy, the author, he is such a good storyteller. And he walks the walk. He, he does the things that he's teaching. And you know it just by listening to him. And so as I was jumping in, I was like, well, hey, if I just, instead of the 1%, why don't I do a little bit more? I can eat totally healthy, work out, get up earlier. I don't even remember what else I was trying to do, but it literally made me ill, physically ill. It was too much, too fast. And I cannot speak to what a lesson, I mean, I can, I can speak to what a lesson that was. Don't do it. Like whether it's with nutrition, health, uh, your business, 
we can only go, we can only add so much on our plates at a time that, and be sustainable, right? I mean, sprint, you can sprint, but then you got to take a break and pause. But if we're in this for the long haul, if we want to grow our business and be here, stand the test of time, it has to be slow and steady growth. That's just, that is sustainable. It's, it's the healthy way to go. So I'm going to share a few stories from these books. And the first is from Atomic Habits. So the author, James Clear, he is talking about the British cycling team. So the British cycling team, they historically were so bad that even a company in England that made bikes, racing bikes, would not let the British team use them because they were like, no, it's going to give us a really bad reputation. Yikes, how bad is that? Your own country won't sell you a product to use because you're that bad. So the team got a new coach. And this coach was approaching their team differently than had ever been approached before. And he said, you know, we're going to look at all of these areas that influence you, and we're going to improve them by just 1%. And I love this just 1% because that's manageable. I can do 1% better. Where I did get caught up was trying to do better in all the different areas, which they did do with a cycling team in all fairness. They did look at all of the different areas and try to improve by 1% in all of the areas. I've learned that for me, I can do one area 1% better. Otherwise, I literally get burnt out. So listen to yourself, know yourself. I mean, the goal here is to create new habits and to do this for the long haul. It's not just like, a, oh, for one week. Sure, for one week, you can do almost anything, you know, but we're trying to make life-changing habits here. So the cycling team, what they did, areas that they focused on, they got rubbing alcohol and wiped down the handlebars so it would be a better grip. They got better seats, so sitting was more comfortable. They got shorts that had warmers in them so that their muscles would be at the right temperature. Then they looked at some different areas that weren't as traditional. They looked at their sleep. They got better pillows. They started getting better massage gels. They taught them, and this was a little while ago when germs and washing hands wasn't as well known, but washing their hands better so they didn't get sick. They just looked at all of these different areas of just tiny little improvements, right? Like a better pillow. So little things. Five years later, which is interesting because Dave's post was also five years later, but five years later, the British team went to Beijing for the Olympics and won 60% of the gold medals at the Olympics. Four years after that, they started setting world records. A British cyclist, the first British cyclist won the Tour de France, and then it kept year and year after that, it kept being a British cyclist. So they went from not even ordinary, but kind of like, I don't know about that, to um, extraordinary. Like, I mean, we're talking world records here. And just because of little 1% changes. So I think, you know, for a lot of us, it's just the results feel so far away. I mean, if you look at a cycling team to say something like, we're going to win the Tour de France or we're going to go to the Olympics, you know, put it in our terms, I'm going to earn $100,000, I'm going to earn a million dollars or whatever, whatever this goal might be that feels so far away. We look at that finished product 
that end result and it just feels way too momentous or way too big. And so we forget to take that first step and that second step. And we forget that it's just a matter of consistent little tiny things that we do that make a big difference. And so I kind of broke it down with my business. You know, what what did that look like for me? If I go back and go to the beginning, what are some of those beginning steps that felt just so big and far away but ended up really changing things for me? So if we go back and look at my business and, you know, I I've seen how my ability grows with time. Right now, people could look at me and say, well, my goodness, she has a fabric line. She has a book that came out. She sells patterns. She has a mastermind she's opening next year. She's got a membership. She offers a course. She has a weekly email, a weekly podcast. There's no way I can do all of that. But guess what? Neither could I a couple of years ago. Like the ability to do those things It's just a little bit at a time. You add one thing and then the next thing, and it starts off really small. So for me, what did this look like? It started with opening an Instagram account with no other followers than people I knew who I like my family, literally my family. Then creating a website. So when I very first started, I had a business partner and we created a website and that was really hard. I'm not going to lie. There were tears shed over that. It was not intuitive. And I felt like a pretty tech savvy person. We started with Wix. Then we moved on. And anyhow, it morphed over time. But there was that. That felt that just felt like there's no way we'll ever. How will we ever even sell a product? We can't even get a website up. But we did. We got it. Then we Googled how to start a business, how to pay taxes, and we set up sales tax and got an EIN number so that like we were actually a sound business that we weren't going to be sent to jail for not uh, paying our taxes. Then we went to the bank and we opened up a bank account and then we opened up a business credit card. And at that point, I felt like, man, we've done so much, but there was still so much to do. So then uh, I borrowed money. We borrowed $5,000 from my husband to, to be able to buy stuff and get started. Then we started calling companies to set up wholesale accounts. And they would ask stuff like, you need to fill out this paperwork, answer this question. And I literally had to Google, what does this mean? What, like, what are they asking for? Because I didn't know. And some of the companies, we got denied. They were like, no. You like we didn't meet their qualifications. We weren't in business long enough or I we had to have like two referrals and coming up with two business referrals when you are a brand new business. I was we were pulling, you know, we were really pulling for straws there. Um, But we did. We had some, you know, accounts that got opened. We had to meet with a sales rep and I felt like an idiot, like. I didn't know what the heck I was doing. They're like, well, how much do you want to order? And we were doing a monthly subscription box, which is very different from a traditional quilting store, which is what most reps and companies worked for. So they would ask stuff like, I'm sorry, you're ordering how much? And we can't get that to you in time. Or we only have this many of that. And it was so frustrating at times. I just was like, oh my gosh. But we figured it out. You know, we figured out, we had to buy boxes. What are we going to ship this in? How are we going to print shipping labels? 
And how do we go to the post office? If we have a hundred boxes, like what, how, how do we do this? Well, what are the logistics of getting these boxes to people? And then we curated our first box. Like we actually put it together and then we sent it out to influencers. And at this point, think of all the things that we've already done and overcome. It felt like we've come so far, you know? Uh, so the, yeah, then we reached out to people, sending them DMs and you could see people read the DM. Some people didn't respond and you're just like, uh, okay, on to the next person. Uh, and you just keep on keeping on, you know, and it's finally, you know, some people would take the box and they would share about it. And then we opened the doors and I want to say we sold around a hundred boxes that first month. Maybe, I don't know, give, uh, maybe 120. I don't remember. I should have kept track of all that, but then, um, then we got our first 1,000 followers on Instagram, and that was huge. We went out and celebrated with a Chick-fil-A milkshake. Then we started a blog, literally out of necessity. Someone asked, hey, do you want to join a blog tour? And I was like, what is a blog tour? And they explained what a blog tour was, so I needed to start a blog. I didn't have one. I was like, yeah, I'd love to. Okay, Google, how to start a blog on Shopify. <laughs> And so mostly these things came out of necessity. Like I need to do this now. Okay. And then, I mean, I did not have an email list, no such thing. I didn't know how important it was. Uh, But yeah, I wrote my first pattern. I put it in the subscription box and then I learned how to study. I studied Adobe Illustrator and so on and so on. It keeps going, but really it's just little bit by little bit. And it took years before I started writing consistently on a blog and, and I didn't have the capacity at first. I had too much else that I was focusing on, namely what to put in my box and how to grow my sales. And it wasn't until that was in a safe place and consistent that I could then add something else onto my plate. And once that gets into, you know, a well-oiled system and it's moving well that I don't have, it becomes kind of second nature then I can add something else. So that's kind of like this idea of adding just 1%, just 1% better. If you jump in with your business and you try and do all the things, it's, it's not sustainable. And it's the same with a healthy habit, like just recently, you know, because I had the mindset, once you start doing 1%, then you actually end up doing more like 5%. So I jumped in with, well, let's just do 5% better no, 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 please just trust me. It's just 1% better. That's it. If you try and skip to more than that, it will bite you in the butt. So the book, The Compound Effect, this I really liked. So the author, he says, you know, give me enough time and I will beat virtually anybody, anywhere, anytime. And I was like, what? And he goes on to say, it's not because I'm the best or the smartest or fastest. It is because he is consistent. He has good habits and he's consistent. And that is not, I mean, I guess you could say it's a superpower in and of itself to be consistent, but it's nothing special. Like it's something that is available to all of us. It's just being consistent, which sounds easier than it is. Trust me, I've been really trying to incorporate 30 minutes of exercise every day. And those excuses that we were very good at telling stories like, well, but this has been really hard, so just not today. But yeah, imagine you can, you can have a booming business just by having good habits and being consistent with that. 
So first, the habits matter because we can be really consistent at watching TV all day. We could be really consistent with eating unhealthy foods or whatever. I mean, so it's not just a matter of consistency. It's a matter of good habits and having smart, good habits and being consistent in those. So in the book, the author shares a story of three friends. These are three friends. They grew up together. They had been friends for life. And now they're older. They're married. And they've got a little bit of extra weight. They're just feeling a little bit like, oh, we should probably do something here, you know. So the first friend, Larry, he just kind of complains that nothing ever changes. And that he just, you know, why is it so monotonous? Everything's just the same. The second friend, Scott, he starts making small changes. He is doing 30 minutes of reading of, about success. So 30 minutes a day. He's cut out 125 calories a day. So that's the equivalent of one can of soda or one bowl of cereal. And then he's adding just 1,000 steps a day. So none of this like 10,000 steps. He's just adding 1,000 steps a day. So he's made those little changes. He realizes that they're little, but he also realizes that that's something he can sustain over time. And then there's the third friend, Brad. Brad is making some poor choices. He went and bought a huge new TV to put in his room, in his little man cave. He's been cooking some meals that are heavy in high, uh, what is the bad one? High cholesterol? Saturated fats. There we are. High saturated fats. And then he gets a bar so that he can have a drink when he watches TV. So let's just look at what's going to happen with these guys. And at the end, in the book, you'll have to listen, but the author goes down like the math route. So this isn't just like hypothetically, this is mathematically what happens. Five months, give it five months, there are no visible changes. Brad's enjoying his TV and his drinks and just living his best life. Scott's ticking away at his goals. He's walking his 1,000 steps, listening to his book and drinking one less soda a day. And Larry, same. It's just the same. 10 to 15 months still, no noticeable difference. It's not until 18 months later, 18 months, a year and a half later that you first start to see changes. And they're just slight. It's still so minor that most people wouldn't notice. So, I mean, can we all agree that 18 months is a long time to stick to something when you're not seeing results. So it's really not until month 25. This is over two years later that you start to see the difference. At this point, Brad is fat and Scott is trim. And Larry is the same. There is no difference. And this is because... Just by taking out 125 calories and walking, Scott has lost 33 pounds and Brad has gained that much weight. So there's a 66 pound difference, 33 pounds losing or gaining that much weight. But it took about two years for that to really happen. So our habits, and that's what's so hard is that it feels like it's not making a difference. Again, that photo that I share where it was so slight and 
so slow that to me, had I not taken that before photo, it was very motivating. Like, well, I'll be, it does make a difference. And I'm not talking like, oh, we need to go and lose weight. I'm just saying any change that we make in our life. And in fact, I didn't lose weight. That was the thing. I didn't lose a single pound, but you can see a difference in my body. And that's the same with, with anything in our life. If we do it with nutrition, if we do it with our business, you just do these little things every day, every day. And you just slowly chip away at it. And over time, it makes a huge impact, but it's over time. And so oftentimes, I mean, how often have you started working out and after a month, you're like, forget it. I've been working so hard and nothing, nothing. But in my mind, if I can tell myself I'm doing this for a year from now or two years from now, that I can feel like, okay, I mean, time's going to pass regardless. So what kind of results do we want to have? And here's where I sort of, you know, that cautionary tale again, don't sprint, do what is manageable. Like that, the story of the three friends, Scott, it's one less bowl of cereal a day. So we're not saying like, don't eat anything fun. It's just taking out one little thing, adding a few more steps, just those little tiny things, listening to 30 minutes a day. I can attest to that when I listen to business, it becomes so ingrained in my mind that I forget that not everyone knows these things, you know, it's like, oh man, I've known that for so long. It seems like such an obvious given, but it's not because it's just a little bit every day, every day. And, and I also venture to say, I know in Atomic Habits, the cycling team looked at all the different areas, but I'm going to venture to say, just pick one area. Honestly, just do something that is sustainable. So for example, if it's with your business, I don't know, let's say you want to grow a following, go make a plan to go on Instagram and find five people who don't follow you and comment on their, their things, their posts, send them a DM, not a creepy DM, but just like, Oh my gosh, I really love this thing you made. It was so beautiful. Well done. Just start making connections with people and eventually they're going to follow you back. Not everyone, but some of them and just make those connections with people. That's it. Every day, a couple, 10, 10 to 15 minutes a day, and you will grow your audience. Or let's say I'm going to send out a free, a free sample of whatever I sell to three people a month who are, have a larger audience than I do and ask if they would share about it. Three people a month. Just keep doing that every month, every month, send out your product to someone to share. Your audience will grow. So Stick to the small little thing. Focus on one thing at a time. For me, you know, I focus on waking up earlier, eating better, working out, being more productive. Ooh, burn out, burn out. I got sick. I mean, in, on prednisone, like it, my body really was like, you have got to slow down. So now I'm just trying to do exercise every day. And I'd love to do 30 minutes a day, but some days it's just looking like push-ups or going for a walk. That's it. That I can do that. I I know that it's going to add up over time, and I know that it's going to become a habit where that's just what I do. Like my business, I add one thing at a time. And now, honestly, I look back at it. I'm like, well, I'll be. 
I cannot believe that I have this much content coming out on a regular basis. I would have never imagined when I first Googled, how do I open up a blog on Shopify? And I had my very first crappy blog post, you know, that I would have weekly blog posts. Granted, they're guest blog posts, but hey, it's a blog post on my blog. Another example of this, I wrote a sample email for a friend the other day. Uh, She was struggling with sales for something. And I honestly hesitate to share this because I do not do this often. I don't like, oh, let me let me write a sample email for you. But I did for this friend. And I know it's definitely like a one-off thing, but I wrote her an email really quick. And I was like, okay, try this, send this out on this day and try this. And she responded back, how does one learn to write an email like this? And it stopped me in my tracks. First of all, I was very flattered. I'm like, oh, thank you. But second of all, I realized, I I honestly didn't know how to answer that because I was like, well, you know, I'll be. I have studied other people's emails. When I get an email from someone and it's really good and I think, man, I want to buy that thing or, or I keep reading, I save that email. I put it in a little file folder in my email inbox and I go back and study them. Like, why? What was the subject? Uh, there's a course that I've taken on subject lines for emails. Now, you might get some of my subject lines and be like, seriously, Elizabeth, this is all you got after that course? I'm not saying I'm perfect or the world's best, but I am saying that I've studied it and that it's I'm better than I would have been. I've also taken courses on copywriting, like actual copywriting, looking at case studies of ads and emails of Here's what they had and here's how to improve it. I've also hired a copywriter who's gone through my emails and my webpage and helped me and doing that just with them has helped me look at wording and how to make it more personable and enjoyable for people to read. I've also sent out a lot of emails in my day. I have seen the click rates. I have seen, okay, this people are really excited about this and people are unsubscribing a lot more than usual to this. So clearly that didn't go over well. So I look at my results, you know, some trial and errors and, and I really pay attention to that. So it's kind of invisible to me at this point, like, well, it wasn't until someone asked, I had to step back and realize how much I have really grown in this area over time because of the work that I've put in, because I become oddly obsessed about these kinds of things and to where it just, it becomes easier. But at the very beginning, when I sent an email out, I mean, I would labor over that. Now, honestly, a matter of 30 minutes to send out, maybe less. I don't know. I mean, the the longest part is getting all the links. Like here's the link to the blog post. Here's the link to the podcast, but the wording and the writing of it, um, And maybe, I don't know, maybe if I spend more time, it'd be even better. But but the goal is not to spend more time. The goal is to spend less time and become more efficient and better at what we do and not have to spend more time. So yeah, but to do that takes time. You know, you can't just skip over. I'm just going to spend less time and send this email out real quick without first studying and really laboring over how to do that well. So just choosing those things just 1%. So right now, look at your business. What area do you want to improve on? Is it, like I said, growing your audience? Is it growing your sales? Is it your open rate? Is it growing your email list? What is it? And then dive in, learn, study, 
see what you can do in that one area. And I promise you, as you get more confident in that, you'll be like, okay, now there's this other area that I want to work on. There's always an area to get better on. That's not the problem. The problem is focusing and really studying and trying to get better at that one area. And rather than just saying, man, this did not go the way I wanted, or people aren't reading my email. If there's something that you're frustrated about in your business, that's not going the way you want, don't give up. Instead, ask yourself, how can I improve this? I mean, I kind of love that challenge when something happens and it, it's not exactly what I want. It's like an invisible challenge for me. It's like, okay, I am going to figure out how to make that successful. This did not go well, but I know that it can. And I, you know, gosh darn, I'm going to figure out how. So again, ideas, start offering something. Is it selling? If not, study what you did. Look for what's in your control, your wording, your photos. I mean, sometimes people are like, I did the marketing. I did the launch. I did everything I could do. I'm like, okay, you did those things, but did you do them well? You know, I, I guarantee you, if, it, if you're not getting sales, if it didn't go the way you wanted to, there is something you can do to make that more successful. So don't look for outside reasons or like, oh, it's just not working. Look for what is in your control and what you actually can do to, to make it better. And so I kind of touched on before, we are very good at telling stories. Stories like, oh, this is going to take forever. Or, I don't have what it takes. It's not my fault. It's because of something else or someone else that this didn't work. Or it's really not even going to make a difference if I do this thing. We're very, very good at telling ourselves those stories. But here's the deal. You are in control of your business. You have way more power than you think you do. There is something that you can do to improve your results. You just need to study and improve by 1%. And if you don't know how to improve, look for a guide. Look for a mentor. Just do a little bit better each day, each week. And then my last tidbit is to stick with it, being consistent. That's where most people are going to give up. And that's like the author of The Compound Effect. He's like, I'll beat virtually anyone because he knows he's not going to give up. So with your business, just stick with it. You know, you will win because of your habits and consistency. Now, I am not saying that if you, if you're not loving what you're doing, if you if you actually, you know, but when you start a business, it takes time to, to really earn money. I mean, any business, any industry you go in, restaurant, anything, it's going to take, if you're an entrepreneur and you're starting out, it's going to take a couple of years before you're really seeing that money come in. So if you're at a place where you're like, no, I actually need the money right now. Like my family needs food on the table and I don't have the luxury of waiting to start earning money then that's, that's the thing that you really have to look at, you know, like then go get a job that's going to pay you immediately. But if you have the time to stick with it for a couple of years until you grow that audience and people, you grow that trust, then you can do this. It's just a matter of being smart, studying, being consistent, showing up and showing up regularly. I mean, you've got to let people trust you that you are going to show up, that when you say you're going to do something, you're going to do it and that they know that they can find you. It's not going to be like if they come to your shop to buy fabric, it's hit or miss. Am I going to find something? Am I not? That they can trust your business and that you are reliable. So 
let's all agree that we have what it takes. You can be stubborn about this, you know, be stubborn. If someone tries to tell you, including you, if you try to tell you, I don't have what it takes, you do slow and steady, be slow and steady. You can win this race. This is where the magic happens. Like I said, back when I, a couple, 2017, we'll say when I was getting up and working out every day, every day. And now as I'm trying to add that 30 minutes of exercise into my life, there, there is something really magical about that. And Dave with a stately type over five years, I mean, that is motivation. If you haven't seen that post, go take a look at it. So there we are. This is my, my cautionary tale to, to please keep it slow and steady. Do it slowly. Don't jump in too fast or you will get burnt out. And the goal is to be here over time. You know, withstand the test of time. You want your business to, to be here. And so you don't, it's not a sprint. We're not just here to earn money really fast and then be gone. It's here to really learn and grow and become a better business owner and a better person. And so it's that slow and steady, um, which clearly I need the reminder myself because, because of my experience. With that in mind, with the slow and steady, I am so excited to announce that in January of 2023, so what, in two months, I will be opening the Craft to Career Club. And this has been something that's been on my mind and on my heart for a while. So, you know, I teach courses, the Craft to Career course and Quilt Pattern Writing course. And the students who finish the courses are usually like, oh, thank you. This has been great. And then after a couple of months, they'll reach out and say, hey, can I get a coaching call from you? Can I, I need, I have questions. What can I do? And they just, they miss that camaraderie, the momentum, the guidance that comes in the courses. And so I have decided to put together this craft to career club where we will, you will have, everyone who's in the club will have a guided lesson every month. I will be doing this very idea. Every month I will share one small thing that will move the needle for your business. For example, I will teach you how in, that, in one month you will create a welcome sequence for your emails. Or I will teach you how and we will actually dive into growing your audience on Instagram. So all, you know, all these different just tangible, we're going to do this this month. This is what you're going to focus on this month. All of the things are going to be pertainable to business owners. But there's also accountability. There's going to be where we can go and share our progress. The people who are also in the club are going to see who's doing the things. And that's motivating. I know because I trained for a race, a half marathon. And as soon as my partner couldn't do it and we weren't sharing our running every day, I completely lost the drive to run. I was like, who cares? No one cares in this world if I do this running or not. So I'd rather not. You know, there's something very powerful about that accountability. And there will be small peer groups where you can meet and talk. And then at the end of the month, you know, during the month as you're going through this thing that I'm teaching you and training you on, as you come across questions or, uh, what about this? Or I'm having a hard time with this. You can email me your questions. And at the end of the month, I'll prepare a Q&A where I'm going to go over any issues, troubles, concerns, whatever that come up and really guide you through these things. So uh, my goal is to help you grow your business. I want you to have success. So that opens January 1st. 
a couple of things. This is only open to alumni of one of my courses. And that's because I do not want to have to go back and reteach things that we've already covered in the course. I want everyone to start off on equal playing field where I assume that you have this general knowledge. Then I also have three requirements. One, to have a website. So I don't care how ugly it is and, and not on Etsy. It needs to be your own website where you get to write in about me and it's your website. So that's, that's the first one. You need to have a website. Second, you need to have an email host. So whether that's Flowdesk, MailChimp, ConvertKit, whatever, just, and I don't care if you have no one on the list, you just have to have that set up. And then third, you need to have sold at least one item. Again, I don't care. That could be on Etsy. That could be anywhere. But you need to have at least tried selling. Maybe you didn't sell any, but you had to have listed and tried selling at least one item. So that, again, is just to make sure we're all at a similar sort of place because the things we're going to be teaching assume that you have that already in place. And so I don't want to teach how to improve your website if you don't have a website. Or we're going to create an email welcome sequence if you don't even have an email provider. So I need to make sure that we're all at this level where, and same with selling. So anyhow, the things we're going to go through are things that assume you have that under your belt. But as soon as you do, then please come and join us. So doors open January for two weeks. This opens twice a year. So if you're not ready yet, then do those three things. And in June, you can join us then. So that will be available on January 1st. If you are an alumni, watch your inbox because I will be emailing you about this. And also I have the mastermind and that is open to anyone in the quilting community who has been in business for a while. This is a much more up level, like the craft to career club welcomes people as long as they have those prerequisites. But the mastermind, this is a much more like I, a lot more experience. You're coming with more experience. And this is a smaller group. It's 10 to 12 people only. It's for an entire year. And this is where we really work together as a team to collaborate, bounce ideas off of each other, really grow your business to the next level. So that you can apply for on my website. And December 5th is the last day to apply for that. And there have already been some amazing applicants. I am so excited to work with these people. Um, so December 5th is the last day to apply. And December 12th, I will let you know if you are in the mastermind. So fun things coming ahead in 2023. And next week, I'll be right back on the Craft to Career podcast with a brand new episode. I can't wait to see you then. Until then, have a wonderful week. 